Once again, we welcome you into this radio program known as the WJR Sportsbook. When last we convened, it was a very special edition from Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort just yesterday night as we took you up to the big game. Thank you very much once again to Soaring Eagle for their support um, and their hospitality. Uh, absolutely second to none. It was a real thrill uh, talking about the Super Bowl matchup with the uh, Philadelphia Eagles and Kansas City Chiefs, along with Rob Rubick and Corey Schlesinger, a couple of great former Lions, and, of course, my teammates here on the sportsbook, Jamie Edmonds, as well as the one, the only, Blake. How's it going? Hello. Hi, Steve. What's going on there, James? Not much. Happy to chat with you. I definitely had FOMO with you guys all up there at Soaring Eagle. Well, we are going to uh, be up there a couple more times for this here Monday night show. And uh, you and your husband, Ryan, and uh, the lovely Olivia are all going to be in tow. I guarantee you that. Wouldn't I can't have it wait. I'll start her early on the casino slot machine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you will. Uh, we'll be joined shortly, I do believe, by producer Nick Roddy, who did a fine job for us at Soaring Eagle uh, for the festivities. Meanwhile, um, you, you know, it's kind of bittersweet talking about what turned out to be one hell of a Super Bowl 57, but uh, the National Football League season is over. Isn't it crazy how it just moves? Yeah, I think yesterday Blake was saying how sad he is it's over. I do get emotional this time of year. But then I remember March Madness is right around the corner, and that makes me happy well, there's, again. There's the little pick-me-up you're looking for, Blake. Exactly. Way to answer your own uh, worrisome question. Uh, but, yeah, it was uh, something else. And, you know, the fact of the matter is, uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, it, it, it couldn't have gotten off, really, to a better start. There you have a 10-point lead uh, at the half, 24-14 things apparently going your way, and also at the end of that first half, uh, Patrick Mahomes seemed to really aggravate that high ankle sprain, and he looked to be in a great deal of discomfort, and you're thinking at that point, wow, the the Chiefs have got a mountain to climb in the second half, but boy, did they climb that, didn't they? I mean, what a comeback. I, too, thought, uh-oh, Chiefs are down and out, especially with Mahomes. He was grimacing on that sideline. I mean, what kind of things did they shoot in that ankle, I wonder, medical team-wise? Well, uh, you know, a couple of things stand out uh, as the second half got underway. First and foremost, uh, we know Patrick Mahomes, the MVP of the NFL. He was also the MVP of Super Bowl 57. Uh, he spent the day in Disneyland a mere three years after going to Disney World as the MVP of Super Bowl 54. Uh, they had the parade and everything earlier today. Uh, so he comes out, and everybody is questioning the ankle and how effective is he going to be able to be. All he does is take the ball 14 yards on the Chiefs' touchdown drive to begin that second half. The message was clearly sent, and then he wasn't done. He rumbles and stumbles for 26 yards on the drive to the game-winning field goal. And uh, you're thinking to yourself, okay. Uh, but as it turns out, James, uh, they capitalized on every possession in the second half against a pretty formidable defense. Very impressive. 
Yeah, and I know I'm sure we'll talk about that call. And I have a lot of friends from Philadelphia who are very upset. How do you call a game? It changed everything, blah, blah, blah. But the truth is the defense didn't stop them at all in the second half. You could point to that as well. Or how about that scoop and score, which was a mistake by Jalen Hurts. I mean, there's a bunch of things that could have changed that would have changed the outcome, not just that call. Well, I, you know, as we're having this conversation, I feel really, really bad for Jalen Hurts because he played a hell of a ball game. It was truly one of those points where, you know, you were upset that he was on the losing side. You know, he throws for 304 yards. He had the touchdown throw. Then he actually had 15 carries for 70 yards and three touchdowns. And I know, Blake, what you're thinking. He actually had the octopus as well. How about that? He did. How about all that talk about it? And it happened. And I forgot now, what that, that we had talked about it the week before. <laughs> what did that go off at? 800 plus 888. So if you bet 10, you'd win 88. That's crazy. Yeah, not bad. But, you know, he, he did have a, a heck of a game. You take that fumble away, and it was near perfect. Uh, it was a rating of 103.4. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, and we discussed this earlier on the album show, uh, God bless Andy Reid, 64 years old, been around for a long time, got so much respect. And I think, Jamie, if you were to name coaches in the NFL who have a reputation of being able to make the adjustments necessary for whatever they need to do, Andy Reid's the guy. I mean, 100%. It was a tale of two different halves. I mean, they came out and scored seven points in the third and then 17 in the fourth when they couldn't really get much going in the first half. That's good coaching. And by the way, uh, Andy Reid, being the guy that he is, uh, here's his quote when he was asked, uh, you know, because there was some thought anyway uh, that this was going to be his final season. He says, if they'll have me, I'll stick around. So it looks like he'll be back for the 2023 season. Uh, did not care at all for the line of questioning from Terry Bradshaw, but that's another story for another time. Uh, could be time for uh, old TB to, you know, he's talking about Andy Reid retiring. Well, what about you, pal? Uh, you know, you, you, you've made a name for yourself in a not very good way uh, the last three weeks. So, you know, take a look at that. Uh, in any event, let's talk about, the call in question, Jamie, and I'm curious as to what your Philadelphia friends are saying. It all involves cornerback James Bradbury. Uh, he committed the questionable, questionable holding call. His quote, I was hoping he would let it go, uh, but of course he's a ref. It was a big game. It was a hold, so they called it. Props to James Brad Bradbury for crying out loud for just coming out and saying, look, I did hold him. So, and they called it. So the question becomes, Jamie and Blake, weigh in. What was the official supposed to do? I mean, I just, I don't know. It's under two minutes. It didn't look like an egregious call. It looked like it would have been an incomplete pass anyway. I think you should have not called it. There was the opportunity. He grabbed his jersey. It was, it was clear. And I think he actually held him a second time. Was it egregious? There's been far no. worse that have not been called. But herein lies the problem with the NFL. Because ideally, and this is what's been discussed forever, if it's a penalty in the first quarter, 
in the regular season and or otherwise, it should be a penalty in the fourth quarter. Because right. if that, and I don't think that, that there was any consistency in the game. They weren't calling that earlier. But if that's not called, now I think there's going to be a little bit more liability. And we all know that officiating in the NFL has taken a beating all year long. And what the resolve is going to be, I don't know. But if you've got the guy that committed the foul saying that he did hold him, where's the argument? Well, he did sort of put water on the fire when he came out in the postgame locker room and said, I held him. I was hoping they didn't see it. You guys want to stay woke. He was told by the NFL to say that that was a good call. (laughs) There you go. Pressure. <laughs> I don't now the conspiracy that. theorists are out. Um, I, I just am, a, and, and call me old school, call me whatever you want. But I think if a penalty is committed, no matter what the circumstance, and I get uh, you're looking at third and eight, the Eagles 15-yard line, under two minutes to go, game tied 35-35. It's a Super Bowl. You know, we all know that. But all right, now where do you draw the line moving forward? What if there was a more egregious uh, situation in next year's Super Bowl, 58. Yeah, you say, I, mean, well, I get it's a slippery slope. Yeah, and, you know, I think that this group of officials in the league right now uh, are up against it uh, because it's already been said, uh, a couple of players have come out and said, you know, the problem is all of the better referees and officials are leaving for TV. You know, we've discussed that. You know, and they're talking about uh, ejections for roughing the passer. They don't even know what roughing the passer is anymore. Uh, you know, we've, we, we've run down throughout this NFL season countless bad calls. And the fact of the matter is there is so much at stake. Jobs are on the line. Coaches, players, uh, to be brought into poor officiating. And, you know, then you've got the commissioner coming out and saying that the officiating in the league has never been better. That's horse crap. I mean, that was a crazy comment, considering all of the controversy. After every game, something was going on. I, I, how do you say that? We're not dumb. We're watching these games. Well, and, and sometimes I don't know if the commissioner fails to realize that this sport is being followed by a gazillion people. And we know what the reality of the situation is. So as the commissioner, you can put any kind of spin you want on it. But at the end of the day, uh, the truth is what it is. And the officiating has been under the microscope for a while. And it needs to be fixed. And how they go about it, is it full-time officials? Is it that? Is it something else? They better figure it out because it, it's unbelievable. Uh, more about uh, Super Bowl 57 as we continue with the sports book right here on 760 WJR. All right, welcome back into the sports book, ladies and gentlemen, uh, as we continue our conversation about Super Bowl 57 and thus the end of the National Football League season. I understand we have been joined by producer Nick Roddy. Nicholas, what's going on, laddie? Hi, thank you. Can I just say this? Super Bowl, Super sure Bowl, Super Bowl, Chiefs, Eagles, Super Bowl, Super Bowl. I just had to get off my chest after yesterday. Well done. We were working uh, with those special rules yesterday, and uh, it was very, very difficult. But 
I think let the records indicate, Nick, it was probably one of the cleanest ones we've ever done. I think, uh, yeah, I, I would have to agree, shockingly. I mean, uh, I rolled in well. and I said Eagles immediately, and I was like, oops. <laughs> it was the first word out of your mouth. Yes. I didn't say it. Proud of me. Props to me. Well done, Blake. Well Good done. Job, you came Blake. to class prepared, uh, as always. By the way, uh, Nick, uh, during the latter part of the album show, uh, sent me this uh, via Twitter, uh, per Fox. Top metered local markets for Super Bowl 57. Number one, Kansas City. Number two, Philadelphia. Imagine that. Number three, Cincinnati. Number four, Detroit. And number five, Pittsburgh. How about that? Great sports towns. We love football. All the way around. And, uh, you know, there's not a Lions fan that was uh, tuned in yesterday thinking about what might be. Huh? Huh? Yeah, the odds came out. Did you guys see it? I think they're tied for ninth best. Yeah, that's and clearly that's a record uh, in in as far as I know. But anyway, Jamie, uh, getting back to your Philadelphia friends, and Blake is concerned that you've got friends in Philly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what what was what was their reasoning and the logic behind the the call? Just that it shouldn't have been called at all. I believe so. Um, first of all, I have these Philly friends because I went to undergrad at University of Delaware. So geographically, lots of Philly people there. That's how I have I Philly friends. And they're good people. Although when I was in college and would be at parties, hearing that E-A-G-L-E-S chant all the time was not great. But, yeah, they think that the refs interjected themselves and changed everything for them. But they're also very emotional right now. Of course they are. And, uh, you know... For all the right reasons. And, you know, as I'm watching that game last night, the difference in styles between the coaches involved, Andy Reid and uh, Nick Soriani, could not be on other ends of the spectrum. And, you know, when Soriani came onto the scene after his first couple of press conferences, it was one of those deals like, what what the hell did he just say? Um, and I think uh, his players have certainly bought into, you know, what he has brought there. Um, then he comes out and says he's got the chip on his shoulder because Andy Reid in 2013 didn't retain him as the wide receiver coach and yada, yada, yada. You know, uh, there's a guy clearly that wears his, his uh, heart on his sleeves. And we know moving forward, it's not easy getting to a Super Bowl. So does it happen again? I, I, I don't know. But it was interesting. You know, he's very animated, um, almost to the point of being cocky. If I can say that, uh, you don't see that at all from Andy Reid. Does you know? He, there's absolutely no emotion. He just sticks to the game plan. So uh, we'll see. Uh, Blake, I, I don't think you're a Soriani guy, are you? No, I. There's something about him. I can't put my finger on it, and I can't say what I want to say. But I'm just not a fan. He's very corny, but like he is kind of Dan Campbell adjacent. In like some I, ways too, Blake, and I was that's say that. I don't want like I don't want to be mean about it, but he is Dan Campbell adjacent. Because in his first press conference, there were some like awkward things that he said, like hug an Eagles fan or whatever, and people in Philly were not having it. But now that he's brought them to the Super Bowl and the playoffs and all that, they're fine with it. Winning cures all. Yeah, yeah, that has uh, been the case for a long, long time. Um, you know, winning, well, you can do just about anything you want as long as you win. 
meanwhile, he did sob openly uh, during Chris Stapleton's amazing rendition of the national anthem. And Dan Campbell uh, would definitely do that. Okay, I wouldn't say sob. There were tears <laughs> flowing, though. Well, I, he was weeping. He was weeping. And look, I'm not going to take anything away from the guy. It was an emotional moment. And I know there's been a thousand gazillion memes, you know, kind of poking fun at Soriani for that. I'm not going to be one of those guys. You know, you've made it to the Super Bowl. And that's got to be an emotional deal, especially maybe from where you came from. So he shed a tear. You know, I don't care. All I'm saying is I thought, and I didn't know who Chris Stapleton was, um, but I'm going to check out the dude's music, I'll tell you that, because I thought it was, some are calling it uh, the best anthem in the history of the Super Bowl. I don't know if I'll go that far, but, you know, with Whitney Houston's rendition, that was uh, very emotional uh, after 9-11. But, um, Blake, you know the guy a little bit. He's a country dude, right? Yeah. No, he's got some great songs. He's And I his voice him. is... He's phenomenal. Yeah. He's got a, He's got that, like, soul to his voice that you need. He's fantastic. I went to two concerts of his at DTE. He's so great. Really? How many Miller lights did you have at those? Huh? I said, Jamie, how many Miller lights did you have at those concerts? Okay. I'm not a fan of Miller Lite. Sorry if that's sacrilegious to say. Watch your mouth. (laughs) I had other cocktails. Thank you. I don't know if this relationship continues. (laughs) I, I, I will tell you this. The NFL, let's just pile on the NFL, shall we, as far as embarrassments go. The field uh, there in Glendale. Are you kidding me? Uh, For a Super Bowl, both sides changing cleats early and often. Uh, Harrison Butker lines up for the game winner. The ball is spotted on the paint, which seemed to be the problem. Could you imagine if his foot slipped on that game-winning attack? I mean... It was just ridiculous watching. And it's the desert. It's not wet. They, like, rolled that grass out and then rolled it back in and did their best. I mean, can we get – can you call the World Cup people? It's the same stadium that Michigan played the playoff game in, and they had issues too. Well, you know, there's been, I think, what, uh, two previous Super Bowls played there prior – and I don't remember there being an issue like there was last night. And, uh, I mean, the worst possible scenario is an injury, obviously. Um, but quality of play. Uh, you know, the players, I guess, were absolutely beside themselves. Some have been very vocal about it afterwards. The worst playing surface they've ever played on. So, Let's get aren't Heather there pe- Nabosny from the Tigers to really tell those guys what to do. You betcha. Heather knows exactly what she's doing. But, I mean, uh, again, you're in the desert. It should be dry. There should be any slippage. And if, you know, the people applying the paint are are, are, are doing too much or too little, whatever the uh, deal is, I don't know. Uh, but uh, something's got to be done. A uh, very sad note to pass along. And it's probably, well, it's probably sad to a lot of people. But Conrad Dobler, does the uh, name ring a bell? To anybody besides me, former offensive lineman, uh, played a long time with the then St. Louis Cardinals, uh, fifth round pick back in 1972. Uh, he was on the cover of Sports Illustrated, pro football's dirtiest player, and he said in the article, "I'll do anything I can to go away to protect my quarterback." 
He's the reason I wore 66, and he passed away uh, at the age of 72. So uh, I'm a little bummed. After his uh, stay, by the way, with the Cardinals, uh, he went on to a couple of years with the Saints and a couple of years with the Bills. Conrad Dobler passes away at the age of 72. I had to say that. Were you a dirty player in honor of him, Steve? Uh, uh, I I, uh, would do some things that were probably below board, Um, but uh, uh, he was something to watch. Uh, He was on that stellar uh, St. Louis. You guys are too young, far too young, to remember uh, the offense that the uh, Cardinals had. Uh, It was an air raid type thing, and – you know, he uh, he was part of a hell of an offensive line. So, in any event, I won't bore you anymore with uh, my trip back to yesteryear. But I just saw that uh, before we went on tonight. So, thought I'd share that. In any event, uh, let's take a break and uh, come back. Jamie, you have a list of commercials that you enjoyed. And I want to get your take on are we moving to the point where people are going to be less enthused about watching the commercials than they used to be. Cause I think we're there and we'll have that chat coming up as we continue with the sports book on seven sixty WJR and the sports book continues here on seven sixty WJR more trickle down from the chiefs super bowl championship yesterday. Chad Henney, who has backed up Patrick Mahomes for the last five years announced after the chiefs won, he is going to retire, calling it a career, career, capping it off with Bud Light and another ring. How about that, huh? How about that? Way to go out. Way to do it. Uh, on top, uh, no question about it. Uh, he uh, didn't play uh, that much, but he uh, did have, uh, obviously, some moments uh, as a backup to Patrick Mahomes. Game against Jacksonville, Mahomes goes down. Leads a 98-yard scoring drive. Caps it off with a touchdown pass to Travis Kelsey. Uh, He, of course, went to the University of Michigan. Had a hell of a career there. Uh, Played four years with the uh, Miami Dolphins. Never really came into what many thought he would be as an NFL quarterback. Uh, Spent four years there, six in Jacksonville, and the last five as a backup in Kansas City. So, Jamie... Uh, you're absolutely right. Uh, you're going to kick around the idea of retirement. No better time doing it than after you win a Super Bowl, huh? Yeah. I mean, again, we've talked about this with Tom Brady. That would have been the moment. <laughs> Chad Henney was, was a- like my – that's when I started really getting into college football, and he was like the first Michigan quarterback I was a big fan of. Those Chad Henney and Mike Hart teams – and all the wide receivers they had, I loved those teams. That's when my love of college football really blossomed. He uh, started just 54 games over 15 seasons. And, you know, he's just, he's probably the poster child for having a pretty darn good career as a backup quarterback in the National Football League. Good for him. I mean, that is one of the best positions in the National Football League. You make millions of dollars and you just, like, get the other guy prepared and you don't get hit. Uh, You know what? And there's nothing wrong with that. And uh, he's healthy, going to be able to enjoy his family. And uh, you know what? He goes off into the sunset. I question the Bud Light, but whatever the case may be. 
that's personal preference. Uh, <laughs> producer Nick Roddy coming through with yet another nugget here we can bits about before uh, we talk about yesterday's commercials or lack thereof. Uh, there is a report. Fox's Greg Olson salary will be reduced from $10 million to $3 million once Tom Brady begins his broadcasting career at the network. Uh, Olson would move to the number two team with Brady taking over the number one team. Uh, Kevin Burkhart, Greg Olson, who did the call Super Bowl 57 uh, last night, got pretty high marks. Uh, as a matter of fact, throughout the season, uh, Greg Olson has gotten a lot of positives. Uh, I don't know what Fox is thinking. Do they actually uh, think that Greg Olson is going to stick around uh, with his salary being cut $7 million a year to do the same job? No. Would you? Absolutely not. Absolutely. And it's not even fair. It, you know, it's just, I know it's the business, and I know this is the decorum, but you've got a guy here who, after his first year, is getting the same kind of remarks that Tony Romo got in his first year with Jim Nance at CBS. And all of a sudden, Romo stock has plummeted. Uh the future for Greg Olson, I'm not sure, but he's not going to take a $7 million hit. Nick, do you think that's going to happen? No, not at all. But I, I, I don't think it's fair. But then again, this scenario might have never happened had Tom Brady not gone back and played for the Buccaneers one more year. Like Greg Olson would, never would have gotten this shot at making $10 million. He was, he not was good. Guy. Yeah, That's he's why always, he was on the call in the Super Bowl. He's good. Yeah, but had Tom Brady not unretired, Tom Brady would have been on the call in the Super Bowl. I mean, it was his job so that they Brady's paid him fault. for. We're blaming Bobby, Brady. Yeah, it's Brady's fault. But I think Greg can probably take a positive out of this. Like, hey, I got to call a Super Bowl where a year ago the plan was for Greg Olson probably not to call the Super Bowl for Fox. And he got a, a good year of tape and can probably take that to any other network. And, and probably get close to $10 million. But I think how the awkward. other guy's a good story, too. Do you guys know the other guy's story, Burkhart? Yeah. How he was selling used cars at one point, and then he made right. it all the way and like was making eighteen grand a year. Calling high and school by football. All accounts, uh, yeah, by all accounts, he's a, he, he's a decent dude. I, I, I've never met Kevin Burkhart, but I'd like to have a beer with him. Um, <laughs> I'd like to have a beer with a lot of people. Uh, but the fact of the matter is this. How awkward is this 2023 season going to be in that Fox booth? Because everybody knows what the deal is. And the fact that Brady decided that, you know, he's going to wait a year to start his commitment with Fox, okay, that buys Greg Olson some time, some very valuable time, $7 million worth of time before the uh, pay cut kicks in. But that's going to be very uncomfortable as that season goes on because you're produ- you know, you're in TV, James. The directors, the producers, everybody in that booth knows what's happening here. And Greg Olson is good. It's weird that this is so public. Like, at least in in my experience, these things are more private and it's between, like, the general manager and the the talent. So it's weird that it's just out there like that. How much does it say in the article how much longer his deal is? It does not. Um, I think I saw it expires in 2026. Okay. Man, he's not going to do that for two years. Yeah, no way. I mean, unless they some they can't get like rights to like Thursday football or something like that, right? That's Amazon for the foreseeable future. Yeah, Amazon. Amazon did a long term deal there, so that's out of the question. Because they have However, two number ones, which not a lot of 
like of these broadcasts have. And there is truth to that, Blake. You raise a good point. I mean, he's kind of blocked as to where he could go from here. So worst case scenario for Greg Olson, either you take the three million and be part of the uh, second team, or you go I mean, to look, another network and maybe be their second or third team there. I don't, I don't know. know. Look at the shakeup last year with Joe Buck and Troy Aikman leaving and Chris Collinsworth stepping down. I mean, there's constantly um, movement, or I should say Mike Tirico moving in Al Michaels booth and Kirk Herbstreet going to Amazon. I mean, there's constantly movement and I don't think this is the announcer shakeup is done for the next two, three. Hopefully years. they just get rid of Romo and he can take his job. That'd be great. Uh, go ahead. Wind up there, Blake. Let her rip. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows my thoughts on Tony Romo. So. I, I never uh, have seen an analyst be on top of the mountain and then be at the bottom as quickly as Tony Romo. It, it, it's crazy. But I talk to so many people that are like you, Blake, that just don't like the guy. I mean – do any of us know him? I think he might be a nice guy. Could be a nice guy, but he's from what CBS, you know, with that whole intervention thing, yada, yada, yada. They're under the impression that he's living off the print of his first year where he was looked at as this football analyst messiah who at will with his NFL quarterback background, calling plays, being correct. Uh, to the point now where they don't think he's prepared, that he's phoning it in. People are looking to Jim Nance, one of, another one of my heroes, thinking that he should get involved and be a mentor to Tony Romo. Tony Romo's not going to listen to Jim Nance. He's going to do what he wants to do. And if he continues doing what it is, it's not going to be at CBS much longer. So I don't know uh, what to say here. He's uh, He's on thin ice, as they say. But we'll see. Uh, Now, back to the commercials quickly. You know, obviously, over a long period of time, if you weren't really a football fan, you would still watch the Super Bowl to watch the commercials. Uh, I think they've become quite lackluster. Um, They just don't have the interest, the creativity they used to. Uh, Probably three or four stood out from last night. Jamie, do you agree with that assessment? Yeah, they don't have the oomph. Maybe because some of them are already released by the time we get to Super Bowl Sunday. I thought uh, the Rockstar Workday with Paul Stanley from Kiss and Ozzy Osbourne, uh, I thought that was entertaining. Um, Bringing back the Breaking Bad cast for that corn chip, I thought was a hell of an idea. I can't even tell you what the product was. Popcorners. They're very good. Are they, Blake? They're delicious, <laughs> yes. I liked uh, the farmer's dog, the heartstrings about keeping your dog alive. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that uh, that got good reviews from the uh, from the expert on uh, Mitch's show from Michigan State. Um, that uh, got very high marks. I also uh, like than... Dunkin' Donuts with J-Lo and Ben. And, ben. and I like the Clueless one, but that's also my era. The Clueless. Now, which one was that? Rakuten. Oh, okay. 
All right. No, I can't remember her name, but the girl from Clueless and everybody from that movie was in it, and she's talking about how you should shop with Rakuten. What about the Tubi one? Is it Tubi? Yeah. That was like the TV yes. app. That... I, I, I fell for it. I was looking for the remote. Like, did I sit on the remote wrong or something? I'm right there with you. And uh, I think his name is Robert. And uh, he joins WJR every year this time of year out of Michigan State talking about the commercials and the impact and were they effective and whatnot. Uh, he said that one there they had is one of the worst, but yet most effective. Because, like you, Nick, I was thinking, did I did I just sit on the remote? What 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 what's happening here? Uh, and I'm sure a lot of folks went into a panic, um, but it just didn't it didn't hit the mark as far as what they probably intended it to do. Uh, because I I can't even Blake, what is Tubi for crying out loud? <laughs> it's an app on your TV. It's free, and you can like watch shows, like mostly older stuff. But you can watch shows and movies on it, and it's completely free. That's where Blake wants right. Tony Romo to go next. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Tony Romo would be calling Pony League ball on Tubi if Blake had his way. He'd be great at, like, horse racing, I think. <laughs> uh, we've got some various and sundry to uh, discuss with you, the Red Wings, the Pistons, some college hoops. We'll do that as we continue with the Sportsbook here on 760 WJR. Forgot to mention this, you guys. The coin toss curse, as it applies to the Super Bowl, is been broken. Going back to Super Bowl 49 with the Patriots and Seahawks, the coin toss winner had a 24-24 and record in the Super Bowl. Uh, but then the curse hit hard. Uh, until last night, the coin toss winner is 24-32 and all-time in Super Bowls. Make that now 25-32. and So... A temporary reprieve, anyway. And it was tails, uh, which never fails. Like I said, if you would have listened to Blake, you would have won some money. Uh, did you bet that? I did. I told you I was. <laughs> of course. <laughs> One of my favorites. I'm not surprised. You got started uh, quick and early, you know? And you click early and often. Good for you. Uh, let's talk about the Red Wings here, James. Uh, they're coming off the 5-2 win over the Vancouver Canucks on Saturday night. They have won two in a row. They need that. Four of their last six, as a matter of fact. Uh, we'll find out exactly what this club is all about as they begin a five-game road trip. Uh, it begins, as a matter of fact, 10 o'clock tonight in Vancouver. They will also visit Edmonton, Calgary, Seattle, and our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. They'll shut it down against the Capitals. Quick wild card look here. Washington remains on top in that top uh, wild card spot with 62 points. Your Penguins uh, hold the second spot with 61. The Red Wings right now 54. So, uh, yeah, just keep winning. It's simple. Yeah, this is their longest road trip of the season. The good news is Zadina's back from a broken leg and he scored. You got a rookie like Bergren scoring. Larkin wants that contract. So <laughs> maybe they could string some wins together. You know, this uh, Larkin deal, uh, the more I read, uh, the more it seems as though, and, you know, I got all the trust in the world in Stevie Eisenman, um, and Dylan Larkin uh, clearly isn't in any uh, frame of mind to take a, a hometown discount, so hopefully they get it resolved. If you were a betting woman, Jamie, is it going to happen? Yeah, I think they retain the captain. All right, fair enough. The Pistons. Uh, well, 
They're 15 and 43. <laughs> They're uh, coming off the 119-118 loss in Toronto yesterday. Uh, and as a reward, they'll be in Boston uh, 7.30 tomorrow night. And uh, I was talking to a, a real big Piston fan up at Soaring Eagle. And uh, he was uh, surprisingly optimistic. I got to tell you. I mean, you could tell this guy was wearing the gear and uh, everything else. And he's a big fan of Dwayne Casey. He thinks Dwayne Casey's going to lead him to the promised land. And we had a nice conversation about that. So uh, there you go. Big win for the uh, Michigan State Spartans uh, yesterday going into Columbus, Ohio, taking on a Buckeye team that has struggled. They had lost at the time five straight, 10 of their last 11. Spartans get a 62-41 win. Joey Hauser reports for duty, scoring 22 points with eight boards, uh, made six of nine from beyond the arc. Tyson Walker, 10. Jaden Akins looks to be 100% now, had a career-high nine boards and added uh, eight points. Up next for Tom Izzo and the group, uh, they are going to be ah back at the friendly confines of the Breslin Center, hosting the 7-16 and 16 Minnesota Golden Gophers, who have lost eight in a row. That will be 7 o'clock uh, Wednesday night. Of course, you will hear that here on WJR, our broadcast time getting underway at 6. Uh, I like the Spartans, uh, what they're up to right now. Jane, you agree? Yeah, I think, you know, in this home stretch, they, they win where they need to win, maybe do something special in the tournament and get to the big tournament. You know, it's interesting, um, the uh, folks that do this type of bracketing uh, have the Spartans, as it stands right now, as a nine seed. And I think this goes back to, uh, you know, the uh, non-conference schedule that Magnum TI puts together. Uh, You get a couple of wins early on against uh, phenomenal teams, and it pays off this time of year. And I think they've got, what, six games left uh, in the Big Ten. We are making our way through it. Yeah, I don't feel the same about Michigan. They couldn't get the job done, and now I don't know. Well, that loss in Ann Arbor to number 18, then number 18, Indiana, Saturday night, um, Hunter Dickinson, 16 points, um, 62-61 the final. Michigan didn't have a bucket in the final 5 minutes, 12 seconds, and uh, was watching it at Soaring Eagle, uh, with some diehard Michigan fans, and they were absolutely livid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, going 0 for 7 to, to end that game was not good. And they will be at Wisconsin 9 o'clock tomorrow night. So see what uh, Juwan Howard is able to do. Not really what you want to do following a really disappointing loss going into Madison uh, to face those uh, Badgers. Uh, so now the question becomes, as we wrap up this edition of the uh, sports book, what does everybody do at their time now that the NFL has done? Jamie, what do you, well, you've got the newborn Miss Olivia there to keep you busy. Right. Plus I work weekends, so I'm, I'll be at work. <laughs> and there's that. Um, but it is kind of a transition, isn't it? Nick, what do you, uh, Nick is going to, uh, take up, uh, painting. I, from what I understand, aren't you, Nick? It's almost time for spring training, Steve. That, that's all we got. I mean, Tigers. Yeah, Tigers reporting uh, Wednesday, as a matter of fact. So uh, we'll have that to discuss. Go down to the ball yard. Uh, Blake, <laughs> I know you're March in complete madness. misery so right now. Just all March right, folks. Madness. Yes, and it'll be here before you know it. 
Uh, Blake, thank you. Uh, Nick, thank you. Jamie, partner, we'll uh, do this again next week, huh?